This is Mrs. Corin reading Chapter 32, Electrostatics. So I'm not going to be reading the entire chapter. Uh, I'll be skipping a little bit, and I may or may not be commenting on it or reading any of the, you know, other sections in the book. Okay. Chapter 32, Electrostatics. Electricity in one form or another underlies just about everything around you. It's in the lightning from the sky. It's in the spark beneath your feet when you scuff across a rug. And it's what holds atoms together to form molecules. The kind of electricity is evident in technological devices of many kinds, from lamps to computers. In this technological age, it is important to have an understanding of how the basics of electricity can be manipulated to give people a prosperity that was unknown before recent times. This chapter is about electrostatics, or electricity at rest. Electrostatics involves electric charges, the forces between them, and their behavior in materials. The next chapter is about the aura that surrounds electric charges, the electric field. Chapters 34 and 35 cover moving electric charges, or electric currents the voltages that produce them, and the ways that currents can be controlled. Finally, chapters 36 and 37 cover magnetism. Uh, we may or may not be doing chapters 36 and 37. An understanding of electricity requires a step-by-step -step approach, for one concept is the building block for the next. So please study this material with extra care. It is a good idea at this time to lean more, heavy, more heavily on the laboratory part of your course, for doing physics is better than only studying physics. If you're hasty, the physics of electricity and magnetism can be difficult, confusing, and frustrating. But with careful effort, it can be comprehensible and rewarding. 32.1, Electrical Forces and Charges. You are familiar with the force of gravity. It attracts you to the earth, and you call it your weight. Now consider a force acting on you that is billions upon billions of times stronger. Such a force could compress you to about the size of the thickness of a piece of paper. But suppose that in addition to this enormous force, there is a repelling force that is also billions upon billions of times stronger than gravity. The two forces acting on you would balance each other and have no noticeable effect, effect at all. It so happens that there is a pair of such forces acting on you at all time, electrical forces. Electrical forces arise from particles and atoms. In the simple model of the atom proposed in the early 1900s by Ernest Rutherford and by Niels Bohr, a positively charged nucleus is surrounded by electrons. The protons in the nucleus attract the electrons and hold them in orbit, just like the sun holds the planets in orbit. Electrons are attracted to the protons, but electrons repel other electrons. This attracting and repelling behavior is attributed to a property called charge. By convention, which is just general agreement, electrons have, are negatively charged and protons are positively charged. Neutrons have no charge and are neither attracted nor repelled by charged particles. 
Some important facts about atoms are, number one, every atom has a positively charged nucleus surrounded by negatively charged electrons. Number two, all electrons are identical. That is, each has the same mass and the same quantity of negative charge as every other electron. Number three, the nucleus is composed of protons and neutrons. The common form of hydrogen, which has no neutrons, is the only exception. All protons are identical. Similarly, all neutrons are identical. A proton has nearly 2,000 times the mass of an electron, but its positive charge is equal in magnitude to the negative charge of the electron. A neutron has slightly less mass than a proton and has no charge. Number four, atoms usually have as many electrons as protons, so the atom has zero net charge. Just why electrons repel, just why electrons repel electrons and are attracted to protons is beyond the scope of this book. At our level of understanding, we simply say that this is nature as we find it, that this electric behavior is fundamental or basic. The fundamental rule at the base of all electrical phenomena is like charges repel, opposite charges attract. The old saying that opposites attract, usually referring to people, was first popularized by public lecturers who traveled about by horse and wagon to entertain people by demonstrating the scientific marvels of electricity. An important part of these demonstrations was the charging and discharging of pith balls. Pith is a light, spongy plant tissue that resembles styrofoam, and balls of it were coated with aluminum paint so that their surfaces would conduct electricity. When suspended from a silk thread, such a ball would be attracted to a rubber rod just rubbed with cat's fur. But when the two made contact, the force of attraction would change to a force of repulsion. Therefore, the ball would be repelled by the rubber but attracted to the glass that had just been rubbed with silk. A pair of pith balls charged in different ways exhibited both attraction and repulsion forces. The lecturer pointed out that nature provides two kinds of charge, just as it provides two sexes. Questions. Beneath the complexities of electrical phenomena, there lies a fundamental rule from which nearly all other effects stem. What is that fundamental rule? Number two. How does the charge of an electron differ from the charge of a proton? Okay, moving on to 32.2, conservation of charge. Electrons and protons have electric charge. In a neutral atom, there are as many electrons as protons, so there is no net charge. The total positive charge balances the total negative charge exactly. If an electron is removed from an atom, the atom is no longer neutral. The atom has one more positive charge, proton, the negative charge, electron, and it is said to be positively charged. A charged atom is called an ion. A positive ion has a net positive charge. It has lost one or more electrons. A negative ion has a net negative charge. 
it has gained one or more electrons. Matter is made of atoms, and atoms are made of electrons and protons and neutrons as well. An object that has equal numbers of electrons and protons has no net electric charge. But if there is an imbalance in the numbers, the object is then electrically charged. An imbalance comes about by adding or removing electrons. All right, so think about what we learned about in class, hopefully, and um, that makes sense, right? You can't add or subtract protons because you'll change the nature of the atom. And also those protons are held very tightly, but you can add or subtract electrons. Although the innermost electrons in an atom are bound very tightly to the oppositely charged atomic nucleus, the outermost electrons of many atoms are bound very loosely and can be easily dislodged. How much energy is required to tear an electron away from an atom varies in different substances. The electrons are held more firmly in rubber than in fur, for example. Hence, when a rubber rod is rubbed on a piece of fur, electrons transfer from the fur to the rubber rod. The rubber then has an excess of electrons and is negatively charged. The fur in turn has a deficiency of electrons and is positively charged. If you rub a glass or plastic rod with silk, you find that the rod becomes positively charged. The silk has a greater affinity for electrons than the glass or plastic rod. Electrons are rubbed off the rod and onto the silk. In summary, an object that has unequal numbers of electrons and protons is electrically charged. If it has more electrons than protons, the object is negatively charged. If it has fewer electrons than protons, then it is positively charged. Notice that electrons are neither created nor destroyed but are simply transferred from one material to another. Charge is conserved. In every event, whether large scale or at the atomic and nuclear level, the principle of conservation of charge applies. No case of the creation or destruction of net electric charge has ever been found. The conservation of charge is a cornerstone in physics ranking with conservation of energy and momentum. Any object that is electrically charged has an excess or deficiency of some whole number of electrons. Electrons cannot be divided into fractions of electrons. This means that the charge of the object is a whole number multiple of the charge of an electron. It cannot have a charge equal to the charge of 1.5, or 1,000.5 electrons, for example. All charged objects to date have a charge that is a whole number multiple of the charge of a single electron. So here's a question from 32.2. If you scuff electrons onto your feet while walking across a rug, are you negatively or positively charged? I will be skipping 32.3 Coulomb's Law. We'll be covering that in class. You can read it later on if you like as a review. I'm gonna be moving on to 32.4 Conductors and Insulators.
Electrons are more easily moved in some materials than others. Outer electrons of the atoms in a metal are not anchored to the nuclei of particular atoms, but are free to roam in the material. Such materials are good conductors. Metals are good conductors for the motion of electric charges for the same reason they, they are good conductors of heat. Their electrons are loose. Electrons in other materials, rubber and glass, for example, are tightly bound and remain with particular atoms. They are not free to wander about to other atoms in the material. These materials are poor conductors of electricity. For the same reason, they are generally poor conductors of heat. Such materials are good insulators. All substances can be arranged in order of their ability to conduct electric charges. Those at the top of the list are conductors, and those at the bottom are insulators. The ends of the list are very far apart. The conductivity of a metal, for example, can be more than a million trillion times greater than the conductivity of an insulator, such as glass. In a power line, charge flows much more easily through hundreds of kilometers of metal wire then through the few centimeters of insulating material that separates the wire from the supporting tower in a common from the supporting tower in a common appliance cord charges will flow through several meters of wire to the appliance and then through its electrical network and then back through the return wire rather than flow directly across from one wire to the other through the tiny thickness of the rubber insulation whether a substance is classified as a conductor or an insulator depends on how tightly the atoms of the substance hold their electrons. Some materials, such as germanium and silicon, are good insulators in their pure crystalline form, but increase tremendously in conductivity when even one atom in 10 million is replaced with an impurity that adds or removes an electron from the crystal structure. These materials can be made to behave sometimes as insulators and sometimes as conductors. Such materials are called semiconductors. Thin layers of semiconducting materials sandwiched together make up transistors, which are used in a variety of electrical applications. How transistors and other semiconductor devices work will not be covered in this book. Air temperatures at near absolute zero I'm sorry, at temperatures near absolute zero, certain metals require infinite conductivity, zero resistance to the flow of charge. These are called superconductors. Since 1987, superconductivity at high temperatures above 100K has been found in a variety of non-metallic compounds. Once electric current is established in the superconductor, the electrons flow indefinitely. Explanations are presently being vigorously researched. All right, so this book's pretty old. It'd be interesting to have someone do a report on superconductors and see what's been learned since the printing of this particular book. Okay, we're up to section 32.5, charging by friction and contact. We are all familiar with the electrical effects produced by friction. We can stroke a cat's fur and hear the cackle of sparks that are produced. 
or comb our hair in front of a mirror in a dark room and see as well as hear sparks of electricity. We can scoff our shoes across a rug and feel the tingle as we reach for the doorknob or do the same when sliding across plastic seat covers while parked in an automobile. In all these cases, electrons are being transferred by friction when one material rubs against another. Electrons can be transferred from one material to another by simply touching. When a charged rod is placed in contact with a neutral object, some change will transfer to the neutral object. This method of charging is simply called charging by contact. If the object is a good conductor, the charge will spread to all parts of the surface because the like charges repel each other. If it is a poor conductor, it may be necessary to touch the rod at several places on the object in order to get a more or less uniform distribution of charge. Okay, we're on to 32.6, charging by induction. If we bring a charged object near a conducting surface, even without physical contact, electrons will move in the conducting surface. Consider the two insulated metal spheres, A and B. Okay, so actually 32.6 might be better to learn in class because there's quite a bit of pictures here. So I'm gonna go ahead and skip 32.6. Uh, so we'll go over that in a lecture. 32.7, charge polarization. Charging by induction is not restricted to conductors. When a charged rod is brought near an insulator, there are no free electrons to migrate through the insulating material. Instead, there is a rearrangement of the positions of charges within the atoms and the molecules themselves. One side of the atom or molecule is induced to be slightly more positive or negative than the opposite side. The atom or molecule is said to be electrically polarized. If the charged rod is negative, say, then, then the positive side of the atom or molecule is toward the rod and the negative side of the atom or molecule is away from it. The atoms or molecules near the surface all become aligned this way. This explains why electrically neutral bits of paper are attracted to a charged object. Molecules are polarized in the paper with the oppositely charged sides of the molecules closest to the charged object. Closeness wins and the bits of paper experience a net attraction. Sometimes they will cling to the charged object and suddenly fly off. This indicates that charging by contact has occurred. The paper bits have acquired the same sign of the charge as the charged object and are then repelled. Rub an inflated balloon on your hair and it becomes charged. Place the balloon against the wall and it sticks because the charge on the balloon induces an opposite surface charge on the wall. Closeness wins for the charge on the balloon is slightly closer to the opposite induced charge than the charge of the same sign. Many molecules, H2O for example, are electrically polarized in their normal states. Um, we call them dipoles. Oh, it says that. The distribution of electric charge is not perfectly even. There is a little more negative charge on one side of the molecule than on the other. 
Such molecules are said to be electric dipoles. In summary, we know that objects are electrically charged in three ways. Number one, by friction, when electrons are transferred by friction from one object to another. Number two, by contact, when electrons are transferred from one object to another by direct contact without rubbing. A charged rod placed in contact with an uncharged piece of metal, for example, will transfer, transfer charge to the metal. And number three, by induction, when electrons are caused to gather or disperse by the presence of a nearby charge, even without physical contact. A charged rod held near a metal surface, for example, attracts charges of the same sign as those on the rod and repels opposite charges. The result is a redistribution of charge on the object without any change in its net charge. If the metal surface is discharged by contact with a finger, for example, then a net charge will be left. If the object is an insulator, on the other hand, then a realignment of charge rather than a migration of charge occurs. This is charge polarization in which the surface near the charged object becomes oppositely charged. This occurs when pieces of neutral paper are attracted to a charged object or when you stick a charged balloon to the wall. I'm gonna read the concept summary under the chapter review part, and then uh, I'll be done with this. Concept summary. All electrons have the same amount of negative charge. All protons have a positive charge equal in magnitude to the negative charge on the electron. Electrical forces arise because of the way that like charges repel and unlike charges attract. Electric charge is conserved. According to Coulomb's law, the electrical force between two charged objects is proportional to the product of the charges and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between them. Electrons move easily in good conductors and poorly in good insulators. Objects become charged when electrons move onto them or off of them. Charging by friction occurs when electrons are transferred by rubbing. Charging by contact occurs when electrons are transferred by direct contact. Charging by induction occurs in the presence of a charge without physical contact. Charge polar polarization occurs in insulators that are in the presence of a charged object. Okay, that's all, thank you.